Welcome everybody to the Armenian Institute 20th Anniversary Celebratory Podcast, where we're speaking to the founders, performers, movers and shakers of the Armenian Institute over the past 20 years. I'll be your host for this series. My name is Ardur and I'm a trustee here at the Armenian Institute, was also the former editor of Bardez magazine. The interviews have been recorded on Zoom and at our new offices in person in Farringdon. With great thanks to the Tanyelian family and our major donors who've made this happen. You may hear the rest of our team working hard in the background, so please do excuse the typing and our central London neighbours as we have had the windows open. You're now listening to interviews with friends of the AI and some of our notable performers. Part two. Today I'm speaking with Shaka Major Chilingirian, an opthoptist, but an Armenian dance artist and choreographer. Shaka has been with the AI over the past 20 years, initially starting the focus groups as a volunteer, but also as a performer and um, host of our events. So welcome, Shaka. Thank you for speaking with us. Thank you, Arda. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. So Shaka, yes, is this your first time seeing the beautiful uh, space as well? It is indeed. It is. And I'm delighted finally to have had a chance to come in person. I feel, well, I've been watching it sort of via Zoom (laughs) for for quite some time. And it's so nice to see it so bright, so full of light, actually. A very nice change from being, although we were very happy there, but in the basement of of the Novartko Benkian Hall, we're very grateful for that. But it's nice to see light, as you say. Indeed. So, Shaka, can we start? How did you first get involved in AI? You seem to be involved in many, many ways. So I was in one of the consultational groups, focal groups, that um, Susan Patty set up. And um, I remember, for example, we, uh, it was quite a curious combination of people who were invited to the focal group I was part of, different generations, let's put it. And one of the points that remains with me was the discussion of identities. And, uh, you know... I was surprised and uh, it's kind of made me think about how, for example, there was one individual who said, oh, it's about teaching and passing on the Armenian identity. And it occurred to me at that time for the first time that there is not one singular Armenian identity. You know, we all have identities and our identities do not remain the same throughout life. So that just stayed with me. And then when the Armenian Institute officially launched, I was involved in the Anahit production with uh, artists from America, Niku Hu, who was born in China, actually. She was a dancer. And Guy Van Duzer, musician. And Vahan Kebropian from Paris. And Virgin Gulbengian. And um, it was wonderful. We had rehearsals in our home. And um, we had amazing photographs taken. Uh, this is just a little anecdote on the side. But... Um, so the Evening Standard came and took a photograph of me in my beautiful costumes, or meaning costumes, in front of a rug, which was uh, is an heirloom from my grandfather. And lo and behold, the next day I was on the Evening Standard. Controversial title was, I'm not British, I'm European. And um, <laughs> so that was an interesting one, because I think in conversation I had talked about my sense of belonging to the global world, you know, my Armenian identity, sure enough, you know. And yes, I was born in England, brought up in Iran, but I felt more European and more sort of, it was, the borders were very much wider than British. And somehow they had reduced that to, I'm not British, I'm European. (laughs) But anyway, 
uh, one of the interesting things was one of my very old classmates with whom I'd lost touch was sitting on the underground and looking across the aisle and saw someone reading the paper and spotted my photograph and thought that must be Shake also known as Sharon. So anyway, he contacted the Armenian Institute and we were put in touch. You know, what inspired you to keep going back to the AI and um, help it grow and continue? I was there at every event, I can say. It was very much part of my life. It was dynamic. It was new. It came at the right time. And it drew people from different groups or different elements of the community and beyond the sort of traditional community. And that was what was particularly uh, special for me at the time. Um, You know, I've been thinking about words that I would relate to the AI and possibilities is one that comes to mind. And uh, one possibility led to another and then people that would not have particularly, you know, come to work together to collaborate were brought together. And it was also Uh, beyond Armenian. So yes, every vernissage I was present. And um, in fact, I met Harach, my husband, through the AI. And initially, we had this little sort of informal competition because I was running the book stalls or the music stalls and he was running the other. And it was like, oh, how did we do? How did we do? You know, in my capacity as a dancer and sort of choreographer, that's how I've been mainly involved. But um, it's kind of given me opportunities to learn about culture. I indeed have met a good friend through an AI event, someone that I probably would never have met if it wasn't for a talk that somehow got advertised and we both attended, which I think is one of the wonderful things. Um, Obviously, Shaka, you've also been a performer at AI events. You mentioned the Anahid, but also Salon Mashup, I remember you performing. Absolutely, yes, yes, yes. That was wonderful Um, because I was... uh, Actually, another interesting story comes from that, if I may say. So Seta White, um, you know, curated, directed the Salon Mashup and um, she paired us up with different artists for different events. And so... um, I, I was paired up with Teni Matian, in whose production I was cast as Armenia, the motherland, in Armenia a few months prior to that. So she and I um, did a small excerpt of that in London, and that was wonderful in these amazing Shoreditch halls. But for another part of the Salon Mashup, I was paired up with Karen Babayan. Now, Karen Babayan, like myself, is half English, half Armenian, and we both grew up in Iran. And I remember meeting Karen in Iran twice or three times. Um, and you see, we were exotic in the sense that we were half, half in our, you know, with our vintage. And so I just remember that. And then, you know, we lost touch. And um, so Seta says, oh, it's Karen Babayan, you know, artist, you know, shows me some of her work. And this is what, uh, you know, she wants to do. Would you like to, you know, meet up with her? So I rang Karen to set up because Karen doesn't live in London. I rang Karen to set up an appointment and I just heard a voice and I said, Karen, do you have blue eyes and red hair? She goes, Shaka, I seem to recognize your voice. So we we met up through AI after all those years. And actually, we have continued to collaborate quite a lot in so many of our productions. So uh, that was very interesting, Salon Mashup. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy that. Yes, yes, yes. Over the 20 years, what would be another one of your favorite events, Shaka? Another one that comes to mind immediately is a dance workshop that um, uh, I organized Armenian Institute with the Society for International Folk Dance at Cecil Sharp Centre in um, not far from where I live now, actually, as it happens. So um, this was bringing the Armenian uh, community or people who would attend Armenian uh, Institute events with international 
you know, non-Armenian people who actually dance Armenian dance because there's an entire network out there doing circle dance, folk dance, sacred dance, etc. So um, we arranged for this workshop and it was a day's workshop. It was wonderful. And I had just taught a dance, um, one of our govans, which is, a, um, you know, we have many govans. These are ritual dances. And this govan was from the Van region. It was a wedding dance. And I'd explained the dance is simple, beautiful, deep. And I'd explained the story that traditionally you dance this dance seven times at weddings around the bride and bridegroom who stand in the center for it to forehead. The community forms a closed circle around the bride and bridegroom, protecting the bride and bridegroom and keeping all the bad things out. You know, this is a sort of old understanding. At which point, one of the dancers suddenly left the circle, ran out where there was a Scottish couple and they were getting married and they had all their guests and the men in kilts and so on. And I didn't know this, of course, because I was fully into my workshop. The next minute, we have the Scottish couple coming down into the dance hall with all their guests. And she'd just gone up and said, she was English, she'd said, we've just learned an Armenian dance, danced at weddings, and it brings you good luck. Would you like to come and we'll dance it around you? And they said yes. So the next minute, the hall was full of people, you know, our own people who'd been attending the workshop and the guests from the wedding outside. And the bride and bridegroom stood in the middle and, uh, you know, the other, the rest of the guests stood amongst us. And we danced a wedding governed around this Scottish couple. So it was amazing, absolutely amazing. You know, these things, even if you wanted to plan it ahead, you couldn't. And wonderful things like this happen and happen through AI. That sounds fabulous. It's a shame we don't have a recording of that. That would have been wonderful. Um, Shaka, do you have a birthday message for the Armenian Institute? Ah, yes. Happy birthday, Armenian Institute. Uh, 20 years is a fine number. And may you go from 120 to another 20 to another 20, always being current, relevant, open and uh, full of possibilities. Today we're speaking with Virginie Gulbenkian, a storyteller and craniosacral therapist. Thank you so much for speaking with us, Virgin. How are you today? I'm fine, and thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. So how did you first become part of the AI? As I recall, I was invited to a meeting organised by Susan, and it was a really interesting meeting just about what could begin in London that would be something, an organisation that could be inclusive of many interests. But I think what came out of that meeting uh, was that we all felt, I think, that it, it needed to be something of quality. So that was, that was the kind of the heart of it, the core of it, that it would be not exclusively Armenian-based. It would, of course, be about Armenians and their uh, interests, and, but that it was the question of quality and kind of integrity in the way things were put on, which I think has been like a thread, to my understanding, through the whole of its uh, 20-year so far history. I think you're also involved helping with the first sets of events. Is that true as well? Can you tell us a bit about that, please? There was a lovely storytelling workshop we did at the Gulbenkian Hall where I brought my grandma along. (laughs) So it was a workshop. It was a, a group of people of different ages and 
I told them a story that my grandmother had told me as a child and that had grown up with me, if you like, and had had a resonance and a relevance throughout my life. And so it was quite a privilege to have her there with me and with the rest of us. And it's always so touching to to work on stories with others and, and the magic of seeing what appears out of the imagination as you're as you're exploring a story you know that hidden world of the unconscious mind that's uh, evoked through storytelling and where do you find you get a lot of the stories that you perform or work with from is it from people like your grandmother stories you remember growing up with are there certain books or authors you, you like to return to well that's also um has great relevance for the for the Armenian Institute because what was there at the beginning and what was built around was this collection of Professor Dowsett's from Oxford. And he was very interested in stories and storytelling. And he had all the copies, which I then managed to acquire in Armenia myself, but of all the I think there's there's probably many more volumes, 30 volumes or so, in all dialects from all over Armenia. So some, one or two of my stories come from there, but, you know, that is a rich source. (laughs) Some of the dialects are quite particular, and so you may need a little help deciphering some of them, but they were collected from the 20s up until the 80s, 90s. So um, there's a, a really rich store of stories there. And then there are lots of published versions and also in the library, part of the Dowsett collection, but of course, everyone has added to it since then is all the versions of Sassan Sitavit and other Armenian epics and myths. And and the book that I love, which I don't know if there's a copy in that library, but is another one, A Hundred Armenian Tales. That's just an example. There's many collected works. There's Tumanyan as well. So all of those are fantastic um, source material as a starting point for lifting the story and bringing it back to life as an orally told story. Well, sitting here in the library, I do get to see some of the Dalsit collection and very much walls of just fairy tales from all kinds of cultures as well, not just Armenians. So I think he was very much interested in that. I actually remember coming to watch you. I feel I need to write down some of these stories so I can tell them to my nephew who'd just been born, for example, and it'd be such lovely stories, one about the three sons of the king who go off to find the greatest treasures, or there was a story about a mouse putting on makeup and fell into the pot. I mean, (laughs) I'm just remembering fragments here. But that's why it's so important to keep the storytelling together. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, over the past 20 years, it's not just been your events, but we've hosted lots of different events at AI. Do you have yes. any particular favourites or strong memories, something you visited or watched? There have been fantastic musical events, concerts, dancing, and just lovely social events, actually, as well. For some reason, one that I remember was um, at Haidun, and it was to do with photographs and recording, and it was a panel discussion. And I remember particularly the photographs that Vasken brought some amazing photographs of people, you know, survivors, I think, of the genocide. But it has a strong memory, and and I remember um, Nuritsa was there and and Annie King-Underwood, and, and all spoke, and there was just a great atmosphere of 
sharing something not just amongst the Armenian community, but wider uh, an inclusion, really, of of a wide circle of people. And there's definitely something that's come across when I've spoken to people for this podcast series is that the extent of the Armenian Institute working with its neighbours crossing communities. And, you know, we do yeah. that with our staffing, with our trustee panel. Um, and I think it just shows that, you know, we are aware that we don't exist in a vacuum. And yes. part of that is also interesting and appropriate and you know something to be discovered as well how we live within the environments as as yeah. people of a diaspora so Regine obviously you've been there at the beginning you're part of the initial focus groups part of the initial events what are your thoughts on on, on the changes of the Armenian Institute oh I'm delighted in the, in the last few years just to see it blossom and also for the next generation I feel that you are seeing a turn of you know an introduction of, yeah. of a newer generation hopefully they're still enjoying what we're doing yes do you have a birthday message for the Armenian Institute on its 20th anniversary I just wish it to be more of what it is, really, which is an organisation that seeks inclusion, quality, and trying to really get to the heart of what it is, the essence of what it is to really value a culture, not just uh, the Armenian culture, but one's own culture, and to share that with others. I'm the program manager at the Armenian Institute. My name is Nick Matheu. Uh, and this is a really special podcast for me because I'm interviewing my, uh, as they say, Dr. Fater, my um, PhD supervisor. Is there a phrase for that in Armenian? I think dissertatia irrecavar, probably. Yeah. yeah. My, well, my favorite one that I learned when we were studying together was uh, the supervisor in Georgian, Helmut Gavanali. It's such a great word. Such a great word to There is no tavi there. There is no head. No, so. exactly. It's the hand that's guiding. Guiding. The heli that's guiding. Heli, yes, yeah, heli. So I'm interviewing, of course, Theo Martin van Lint, the Kaluskal Benkian Professor of Armenian Studies in Oxford. How are you doing today, Theo? Thank you very much, uh, Nick. Yes, this is uh, it's special for me as well. It's a beautiful example of continuity. Um, it was not so long, I think, after I had been appointed uh, Professor of Armenian Studies that uh, I got a phone call from uh, Susan Petty asking me whether I would uh, like to join the Armenian Institute, which was a, a newly founded uh, organization or relatively newly founded. I was very enthusiastic about it because one of the things that she, uh, that she told me was the, um, the aim of uh, the Armenian Institute, and that is the, the phrase I think coined by Raj Tilingirian, is making Armenian culture a living experience. And that I found very strongly resonating with what I thought about the professorship in Armenian, Armenian studies to uh, combine the knowledge of the, of the Armenian past in its complexities and many uh, contexts with the experience of being Armenian and having um, Armenian connections for people who are not Armenian in the present time and into the future. So really to... Uh, to put Armenia and its culture more on the mental map of people, uh, be they Londoners, be they uh, British, be they uh, members of the, the human community, as well as academics. So I, I, I was very, um, very happy to, to join. 
And uh, I'm still um, extremely happy that uh, and, and grateful that I had the, the chance to, uh, to be uh, involved with the Armenian Institute. It was always a great pleasure to collaborate with, uh, with people, uh, not only with, with Susan, but with uh, Gagik and with Pedo and Rubik and Gigi and uh, Fasken and, uh, and others. Uh, Sosi Kasparian, also Kerem Uktem when we started, um, I think in 2005, uh, the, uh, I think it was called PADS with Susan as well, um, a workshop talking about uh, Armenian, Turkish and Kurdish reconciliation. We had several people uh, talking to one another uh, in that period, which was the period when also uh, a big conference in, uh, in Istanbul took place uh, that for the first time put the, uh, the Armenian genocide on the map in Turkish uh, academia in, in, a, in an academically official way. So those were, were very exciting times and um, at some point I became uh, chair of the trustees and I think I had two terms of, of three years and uh, yes again very grateful to have been able to do that and um, I must say the Armenian Institute has since then, since, since 2011, has changed enormously, grown enormously, and um, it's going from, clearly going from strength to strength. So I think the future of, uh, of the Armenian Institute looks very bright. Um, certainly if, if the basis of, uh, of patrons and uh, other uh, people who give donations, as well as institutions that would support the Armenian Institute, if they can continue to be convinced that it is worthwhile to invest in, uh, in this institution, which I think is uh, quite unique in, uh, in, in Great Britain. I think it really serves as, uh, as a very strong cultural and intellectual center for the Armenian community uh, in London and um, I, would, I would argue for the United Kingdom uh, as a whole. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because obviously those discussions across different communities were taking place in a very different context in the in the early mid two thousands, sort of political context in in Turkey before Khrantink's um, murder and and uh, Erdogan's very clear authoritarian turn. But it's a it's a big part of of what we're still doing, um, still trying to connect those communities and and to connect to our historic neighbours. Maybe that's a, a good pivot to to your hopes for AI. In the future, how, where do you see it going uh, in growing this role that you've laid out? I would hope indeed that, um, that the work of getting to know one another's background better uh, leads to a deeper understanding among Kurds, Turks and Armenians uh, and leads to a platform uh, where trust can grow and thereby an acceptance of, uh, of, of one another in, uh, in such a way that the interconnectedness which i think was thrown out of the window with the genocide and um, through the most of uh, of of the history of uh, of the turkish republic and partly also through uh, soviet isolation from uh, the rest of the world to a certain extent so yes i would hope that this leads to uh, more peaceful and deeper um, humanity acknowledgement of one another's humanity and building upon that so that um, yes there is safety and uh, and hope for the future of course that is we're talking uh, now almost a year after uh, the war between uh, 
uh, Armenia, Artsakh and Karabakh uh, broke out and led to uh, devastating uh, uh, consequences for the stability of the region and for the stability of such hope. So there is, there is a lot of work to do in, uh, in terms of, uh, of understanding and, uh, and also on, on standing one's ground based in solid knowledge and proper knowledge of, uh, of history, which is uh, a battlefield as much as the, the ground that is being fought over. I, I also think that the, the absence of contact in daily life between Armenians and Azeris is, uh, is, is deeply deplorable uh, because of the, uh, the ideological uh, um, falsehoods that are, that are bandied around uh, Armenians, but also sometimes about Azeris, I think. Yeah, definitely. And so, so the AI has this role of providing a forum for these often difficult but important conversations and connecting people. And through, through as you mentioned earlier, that place where civil society, academia and arts and culture meet and you can make something that's more than the sum of its parts and, and can really uh, contribute to that, well, as you said, battlefield, the sort of trenches of civil society and trying to slowly shift yeah, worldviews. Yeah. I know that you're one of the people who we're hosting who could give this birthday message in uh, Western or Eastern or in the classical um, Armenian. Um, so I'll let you take your choice. Do you have a, a little birthday message for the AIA? Եվ ինձ տվում է դա է շատ կարևոր։ Բաց ապակա ստեղծել կարող է միայն այնպիսի մարդիկ անել, ովքեր իրենց մեջ ազատություն ունեն։ Ներթին ազատություն շատ կարևոր մի բան է իրա համար։ Եվ ուրեմն այսպիսի Today, I'm delighted to be speaking with Vanessa Galbraith. Thank you, Vanessa, for joining us. How are you? I'm very well, and it's lovely to, to be here. Wonderful. Thank well, can you. we start by how did you get involved with the Armenian Institute? It was actually really interesting because before the Armenian Institute was created, I was very keen to do something similar. My background is that I'm half Armenian, so I'm half English, half Armenian, but I was brought up in the New Forest. So as you can imagine, growing up in the 70s and 80s in the New Forest, there weren't many Armenians. And my, you know, mother had come from Egypt, she'd been born in England, so, she, you know, she, she uh, was born in Manchester, 
had divorced parents, ended up meeting my father in Egypt, and then they came to England and settled in a very sweet little sailing town called Lymington. So I was brought up hearing stories about both Egypt and also listening to Armenian spoken on the phone to friends abroad. She'd often speak um, at Christmas in Armenian. So as a child, I grew up in this very sort of English environment, but obviously with a lot of international influence and hearing about Egypt, hearing Armenian language being spoken. You know, I was at college and I was exploring and I used to go to, to various groups, but I quite often I found that it was quite difficult because they weren't necessarily what I wanted to see. I mean, I knew about the genocide. A lot of the groups I attended were clearly for Armenians because most of the time <laughs> the lectures, for example, were in Armenian. And it was a little bit difficult being half Armenian and not speaking Armenian. So my mother didn't teach me, which as you would can imagine, it's very unusual. So in a way, although I did attend things, I wasn't really finding what I wanted or a group that I fitted into. Do any of the early events stick out in your memory or which are the most memorable ones you've attended, do you think? Probably two things. One event that I, I helped to organize right at the beginning was with a, a very dear friend who I'd met in Armenia, Garam Balayan, who, who created the beautiful ship Kilikia. So one of the events we did with Susan's help was to hold a lecture when he, I don't know if you know much about the ship, but it actually uh, was a replica of a medieval trading ship, which Garan and his friends built. And it was during quite a hard time where obviously the Soviet Union had collapsed and everybody was trying to leave the country. But Garen and his group of friends decided instead that they wanted to recreate an Armenian trading ship using the original materials. So it was quite an extraordinary project and it took years to complete. But when it was complete, he actually drove it to Batumi and he retraced the route that a medieval Armenian trading ship would have, have, have oh. done. And he actually came to very near where I lived at the time or I was staying, which is the Isle of Wight. And then we managed, with help from Armenians in England, he managed to go down the Thames and have Tower Bridge opened for the ship. And it was Whoa. an event. And while he was uh, here, the AI organized a lecture and he, he was able to talk about the whole project from start to finish. And, and that was a really, I just loved it. I loved the way um, we were bringing somebody from Armenia which, with such a, extraordinary idea and how he actually arrived um, in London. We got him through Tower Bridge and he did this lecture and that was a, a special event. I, I really enjoyed that one. And also I did, a, I did a little book over the years called Armenia, A Hidden Treasure. And that was a collection of photographs that I'd taken over the years that I visited Armenia. And I remember the AI was very supportive. And when I published, I self-published at the time because nobody was interested in a book on Armenia. I couldn't find any. And I, I went around and thought, well, if nobody's going to publish it, I'm going to do it myself. So I ended up publishing myself. And Susan was really, really very, very supportive. In fact, the AI were. And um, we had a big event in Notting Hill and again, invited a lot of different people and we had music that was singing and there was food and a launch. And for me, that was that was, again, really lovely because uh, having so many people there who were not just Armenian, but were uh, a variety of people and, it, and the support from the AI was fantastic. It was my little project and they 
were totally supportive and I was pretty young at the time and <laughs> so that was great. Wonderful. Obviously you've known the Armit Institute from its conception. At the time would you have thought it would be celebrating its 20th anniversary? That's difficult to say but I think um, I think it was such a good idea and I think it was so needed that in a way I'm not surprised. I think there was a real niche for something like the Armenian Institute. There was nothing in London like it. And the things, the events and what it's promoted over the years, I think have been really well appreciated and, and really needed. So in many ways, I'm not surprised. And I'm really glad it's going from strength to strength. I'm glad there's a lot of younger people involved now. I'm glad that it's very accessible. Suddenly we were getting these fantastic events coming up and they were very, very well advertised. I think particularly over lockdown, it's been fantastic. When you talked about events, I remember I've loved the cooking events online because I actually moved out of London five years ago back to the New Forest. And so I haven't had so much contact. And what I think has been fantastic is that we're able via Zoom to be involved wherever you live in the country. And so I think that's wonderful. And I think that's, that's, that's really a big achievement. I can now be very connected without actually having to be in the capital. I think the Armin Institute has really stepped up when they had to make the move to an online offering because of the pandemic. And one thing we have seen is obviously many more people who are not based in London being able to come and join our events and definitely taking, going to continue working with the online um, structure as well going forward. Even when we are allowed to have in-person events, there will be an online element because I say our audience has now grown and it's fabulous. People can, can enjoy and be part of the Armenian Institute community without having to live in a very small area of West Central London. Um, I think it's been quite a lot of fun. I totally agree. I think it's made it, again, it's really made it accessible to everybody. I mean, I had a friend from Paris who joined in making Monty and she absolutely adored it. You know, and, and normally, under normal circumstances, she would never have known about the event or it would have been very difficult to attend. So I think it's just, again, it, it's, it's really positive in the sense that you can reach a broader audience. Fantastic. So, Vanessa, do you have a birthday message for the Institute? Gosh, do I have a birthday message? Only that I think the AI is doing a wonderful job, really appreciated. I love the fact it's moving forward in such a positive way. And just carry on doing what you're doing. The events are fantastic. And I, I yeah, I think it, it's, it's really very, very positive, needed organisation. Thank you very much to all the guests we've spoken to. We wouldn't be here without you. And I myself have learned a lot. I hope you have too. And if you've enjoyed this program, please come and join us as we celebrate the 20th anniversary with through other events. Further details can be found at armenianinstitute.org.uk. And this is Arda signing off. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.